If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity blah. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Blubbity blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Hey guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with friend of the show, Mark Wooding. I believe his last name is Wooding. From After School, I think most of you probably heard of After School. He's a popular YouTube channel, almost 3 million subs over there. With a ton of great videos from Randall Carlson, Jordan Peterson. I think some other people we've had on too, other than Randall. I don't have a, a list in front of us, but we did watch... We we did this one live, and we did watch some of them um, live. Sort of, we did a live viewing of some of his videos. We got a little sneak preview of one that doesn't come out until tomorrow. Um, with with uh, Carlin, that was pretty cool. So that's yeah, a great chat we had with Mark. We did do live. We did start streaming live again. We got everybody's favorite podcaster over here, Graham. I love going live, Dunlop. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> well, we might be more often, actually. So if you want to see the video version of this, hopefully it comes through. Actually, it'll come through fine in audio, too. But you can go to Rumble, Rockfin, or YouTube. We we lost our our second strike on YouTube, so we're, we're back in the game temporarily until we get that other strike. It seems like we're perpetually in that thing. Not that we're relying on YouTube, but we have these on Rumble and Rockfin as well. And we'll be streaming there more often, like almost probably every week. Depends on, maybe it depends on the show, and but it seems like, you know, the process has been simplified and, and it's going to work. This was really fun with Mark. Uh, we get to play some of his videos there, like Darren mentioned, and then we get to go on all these different platforms. So we'll have videos up and also live. And I guess it goes into what, like Facebook too and other places like that? Facebook, Rockfin, Rumble. Uh, Twitter, yeah, uh, a bunch of different places. For so sure. this shouldn't change the audio podcast, really. It's not going to change anything there, but nah, it shouldn't change nothing over there. I would say, uh, if anything, it'll get better. Yeah, hopefully, 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 we're always getting better. That's the plan. I want to mention not worse. Before I forget, Mark has a book out too. I don't. We we talk at the beginning of the show. We talk about the why the color purple isn't used in any country flags, and that was like one of his first cool, popular videos. And they ended up making a picture book out of that with beautiful high gloss pages, kind of like a kids book. And it's over there on afterschool.net. So I forgot to mention that in the show. So check it out. Well, that is interesting because. I just went and seen Buddy that had a bunch of children's books on on the weekend. What? Who? Oh, I forget ben? his name. 
Ben? Ben? No, well, it was at the Ben Bankus show, but it wasn't Ben Bankus. I could probably. Uh, so he's and he's got a bunch of children's books on the internet. On Amazon, yes. Let me uh, let me see if I can. I hope I I'm not speaking worry. out of turn, saying it's a children's book. I think it is. I think that's. I saw something about it. Oh, you think? Uh, I could find out right away. I'll go. I'll go look for it. The book. Get the book. Date followed latest. So, uh, oh, well, maybe I didn't follow him. So, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, I thought I did, though. Oh, no, that's Mark. The Ben Banker show is pretty good, though, except the food. The food is kind of fucked. What do you mean by that? Well, I ate the. Uh, I ate the, like, it was, like, just a bunch of fried stuff, and I don't think the oil was very good. Wow. And you noticed it. Yeah, I really A bunch of hors d'oeuvres, like, like deep-fried hors d'oeuvres, kind of? Uh, yeah, that kind of thing, like, except it wasn't hors d'oeuvres. It was like, well, yeah, I guess it was just kind of, like, potato skins and nachos, which wouldn't have been fried, but potato skins and, like, um... Maybe some sort of ribs. Hmm. Some sort of ribs. I, I'm looking to find this guy and I can't find him. I can find that other Arab dude, but I can't find. And what is this Ben Banakis guy? Oh, actually, I know how to find it. I'll check Shauna's account. What about this Ben Banakis ben guy? You never heard of Ben Banakis? Yeah, I've heard of him. I just don't know where I've heard of him he's before. He's in Canada. He's oh, a he's Canadian tour. Oh, did you come on the show? Did you get him to come on the show? Did you meet him? Nah, everyone was like in line to meet him. Here, I'll play. Uh, <laughs> the same do you remember? Do you remember? This reminds me of like 2014 when I went to Greg Braden's show and I was like, Greg, we got a podcast. You got to come on the podcast. He's like, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Get in touch with my people. <laughs> I went back and forth with his people for months and we never got him on the show. <laughs> um, it was funny because some broad kept trying to film him with her phone. And he was getting mad. Oh, <laughs> But here's uh this one's was on it his, funny. He was pretty funny. Here's the thing from his Instagram. It's on his Instagram. I didn't film any of them. Doesn't seem right to film comedians. How do I do this now? It was playing. It was playing. You know, even though we created it, okay. I'm a man. White people, we we still can't say the N word. You know, even though we created it, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's a bit of cult cultural appropriation. You know? <laughs> it's just me. I'm a man. I see some people, see some people wearing masks. But you can tell they're boosted. <laughs> so you can tell they're boosted. They have the Pfizer eyes. <laughs> So he, he, uh, I would say he like, uh, I don't know for sure, but it seems like he probably sort of got big during COVID during COVID because he yeah. against all of that stuff. Yeah. So if I can see this, but it doesn't show it in order. 
It doesn't show it in order. I thought his name was Brad something. Hmm. Anyway, he had a bunch of kids. Here it is. I found him. Okay. Finally, after you were just about to surrender. I was just about to surrender. So should I play Uncle Jeff's Island? Sure. Land far, far away. In a land far, far away, a man named Jeffrey loved to play. Rich and powerful, but not very nice. His heart, they say, was as cold as ice. On a private island with a castle so grand, he invited famous people from across the land. But Jeffrey's dark secret was yet to unfold. A tale of misdeeds, both evil and bold. <laughs> then people discovered the terrible truth of Jeffrey's cruel acts that stole away youth. They sent out police one warm summer day to capture the bad man and take him away. Uncle Jeff was taken straight to jail where bad people go when their morals fail. A trial was needed to judge him with care, but before it took place, he died in despair. Questions unanswered, the people search on to find the truth with Uncle Jeff gone. Remember and this is like this for pictures so filled with What's that? This is to pictures and art. Like this is to it's an actual, scene, children's, right? book. It's yeah. actual children's book, they're, right? They're actually all for sale on Amazon. One, well, this is like, a real uh, children's book. Mark's Mark's book is good yeah, for yeah. the whole family. It's like it's a real children's it's book. It's wholesome. It's wholesome. Is it the flag book? Yeah, it's the flag. Oh, the purple, the purple flag. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why uh, the gays like it so much. Or is that like, because when I was a kid, what? purple was was the gay color. Well, no, that wasn't. It's just, it was this, it's the spiritual color. It's the divine color. It's the like the royal color. No, no like, well, I'm just saying when we were kids, we were like, purple was for gay. Well, yeah, because that, that makes sense. Rainbow, yeah. It wasn't the rainbow, it was purple. No, I I know, but that's just because like purple. the pride parade when i was a kid it would have been a purple flag no they weren't doing the rainbow shit yet would have been purple i'm telling you you don't remember that when it was purple well i just remember purple being lame as a kid because it was easy to pick on it's just you know but now when i became older i know it was the color of your most important chakras so i was just gay and you can only have the one ear pierced (laughs) if you had your right ear pierced You get away with both, but just the right one. Oof. Oh yeah. Well, I was. I had my left ear pierced. No, oh, my right. No, my left. Yeah. Not just your right, though. No, no, no. You couldn't. Why I would not? have to be left. It was like me singling that I'm not gay. No, because if you had the right, you'd be gay. Yeah. It was a total over it. Where did that go? Where did that I'm go? Sure it's still a thing. I'm sure. No, it's I, a thing. I don't think so. People listen to the show. Let us know if it's still gay to have just your right ear pierced. Yeah. I, I, it's got to still be. I mean, maybe that was just a Canadian thing in the eighties and nineties. Nah, that was urban culture shit. I'm sure of it. Like beyond Canada, you think? Oh yeah. We were just copycatting that shit from somewhere. You got to wonder where we were picking that stuff up. Must've been like movies or someone went to the city. And... Well, dude, there was morphic resonance going on too. Yeah, I remember as kids. So behind the times up in my hometown, like we were oh, doing yeah. shit that you guys are doing like, 18 months ago. Well, the thing is, we were we were making up all these words and sayings. I think I told you about this on the show once before, and you didn't believe me, but 
we were making up words. We thought we had made up this lingo, right? These words. And and then we saw them on TV and we're like, who are they talking like that? That's what we say. We made it up ourselves. You didn't. So I think there's like a morphic resonance going on too. You just didn't make it up. No, we did. (laughs) We made there. It was genuine organic. Like I still don't believe you. I know you don't. You never will. That's fine. I don't, I don't need you to believe me in my eighties. Stories. I'm just kidding, but I just think you guys would be kids being kids. We yeah, well, I mean, a bunch of shit too. <laughs> Except we were just idiots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bankers were good. Uh, what else did I have? So, were you sick? Is that what you're saying? Like you got sick, sick? there? Well, I'm just my not sick. My guts are just upset huh. after the all the fried food. Cause I haven't had canola oil in a long time and I'm sure or not like, I'm sure that shit's fried in like canola or even worse, maybe corn oil, whatever it was, did not sit well. Did not sit well. It was a long weekend. So did you do anything fun? Oh, no, it doesn't feel like a long weekend. I was just working. I mean, honestly, like I love my job, so that doesn't feel like it's a weekend. It just, every day is just the working and doing what I can and, Taking a break here and there. Went to Dungeons and Dragons movie. That was my big, big thing. Maria hated it. Dungeons and Dragons movie? Maria was like, poor her. She just fucking sat through the whole thing, hating it. How'd you like it? It was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good good adventure. It was a good show. No, not really. No. Hmm. I mean, it was a little bit. I mean, dude, it's... It's nothing compared to what's happening lately. There's it's Dungeons and Dragons is in the mainstream news again. More controversy. They're getting rid of the half races. No more half elves. No more half orcs. This is like old, old mythology, right? And they're getting rid of it because it's racist. They're, it's racist. I know. So how does it, how is this making sense? I mean, this is a big controversy. Maybe it's just getting them more publicity. I haven't heard of this controversy. Are you sure it's a big controversy? Oh my God, dude. Yes, dude. It's all over. It's even people that aren't into the D&D are talking about it. Just culture warriors are talking about it. Really? Yeah. Well, we've got, I know something everyone is talking about. We got a big event coming up next week. Thursday, kicking it off out of Las Vegas. If you need a ride, we'll pick you up at the airport, take you up the mountain of Duck Creek Village, Utah. We'll party a little bit, 420 it up a little bit. It is 420. We're going to pick you up on 420, have dinner, hang out. The next day, we're going to go do some breath work and some cold Wim Hof stuff with Brad and Powell. Go to Bryce Canyon, check out the stars of Dave Matheson, and do some astrology stuff with Ksenia. We're all going to hang out up at Duck Creek. We've got that contact at the cabin. They're still like, a handful of spots left. So you guys head over to contact at the cabin.com. You can still get in. There's still time. Maybe a last minute deal on flights. Meet us in Vegas. We can hang out for the weekend. It'll be a good time. I got the quad out again, T. That's yeah, beautiful. I saw that. That was super wet. It's wet. It's muddy. I was very oh. muddy. <laughs> oh, there's so much snow this year. Yeah. Are you going to, are we going to be quadding in, in, in Duck Creek then or? Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we are. I should get a hold of my buddy down there and just make a backup plan, but I'm I'm guessing, I think we are. That's the plan. Probably be funner if it was like still snow and mud, like on and off kind of thing. Yeah, it was very dry last time. Everything Right, all the dust. Oh my God, you had to put goggles on for the dust. 
if it was less dusty, then that'd be good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, spring's the best season for that kind of stuff when it's still sloppy out. Super sloppy. Cool. It seems like spring's finally here. Spring has sprung. Maybe finally. Like, dude, just yesterday. Finally. Yesterday. Nah, it's been nice for like a week, two weeks. Uh, not really. Beauty. It hasn't been sunny as much. There's been this haze over it. It's a uh, chemtrails. It's a weather modification. Yeah, that's my thing. I don't know. I mean, the end of the day, it's all hazy. It's like starts out blue and then it's all hazy. And it's not even as bad here as it is other places, but I still think it's happening. Think so? Yep. I think it's just uh, get used to it. I think it's just get used to the uh, later springs. I mean, when I was a kid, we weren't getting spring until, you know, around now, as you know. To me, this is more traditional, I would say. Like April, having an April instead of March kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah, that makes sense. I remember always being like when they said March 21st was the first day of spring, we guess I would just laugh at it. Yeah. Be like, how this? I don't see how that's possible. Yeah. Anyway, what do you got for us? Well, I got a, I got a synchro, like crazy synchro that's going to lead into like Operation Project. Operation double, Project. You want to double jingle that up or can you double jingle that or how do you want to do that? Double Operation Project? No, like synchro into oh. a d- Operation Project. Hmm. No. Let's go. Let's do this. That one doesn't seem to want to work. I want a good skull for my synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Daramai give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low? Yeah. All right. Remind me to uh, remind me to. T- What's that noise? It's military to me. Like that military kind of double jingle? Sure. Dish fire, prism, Sidra Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. So I got a, I got a text from Paul from Jasper, and uh, I don't know if I have to pull this up or not, but I'll, I'll just wing it. He says, "Have you ever heard of the the New Order of Barbarians?" And I was like, "No, I don't think so." And then I emailed him, I texted him back, I said, "Wait a sec, yeah, that does ring a bell. Is it like some secret society from the 19th century or something like that?" And and he's he's like, "No, it's it's from like the 1980s or something." And I was like, it really does ring a bell, but I couldn't remember like where I'd seen it or anything. So I was looking through my email on the weekend, trying to find Marshall Lefferts uh, email. Do you remember Marshall Lefferts? One of the sing- one of the residence foundation guys, fantastic book. I do. Uh, I do. I, yeah. I really oh, want to send like a long time ago. We should have those guys on again. I know we should. I wanted to send them the strike foundation stuff with Malcolm Mendel and Randall Carlson and all that. Cause I think it's right up their alley. So remind me, I want to give you an update on that quickly too. And um, I come across this email 
I emailed myself a PDF. I just happened to bump across it called the new order of the barbarians. So I fucking bumped into it right after Paul was asking me about it. Like super haphazardly. Obviously I didn't file it anywhere. It's just left in an email. What? Do you file stuff? I do. I put it on our site so that we have access to it. I have special folders for it so that we can go back and find the stuff. Just in case it gets deleted, you know, I want it in a couple different spots. Like the book I'm going to talk about too. Anyways, so guess what this is? Now, I don't know if this is like legit or not, but I guess some other podcasters have been talking about it lately. And it's supposedly a transcript of the New Order of Barbarians, Dr. Richard Day's speech, March 20th, 1969. So this Dr. Dunnigan claims that he attended this medical meeting where Dr. Dick Day was a speaker. At that time, Dr. Day was professor of pediatrics at Mount Sinai in New York. He was previously medical director of Planned Parenthood. It was given at the Pittsburgh Pediatric Society to health professionals who were destined to be leaders in medical health care. He asked everybody to turn off their tape recorders and stop taking notes um, so he could tell them, the prospective leaders of organized medicine, what was going to happen in the future. He said that Day's message was important. Disobeyed the request and recorded what was said as note later writing up these notes, which were the basis of the interview with Randy Ingle. So the national director of the U.S. Coalition for Life apparently interviewed this guy who had all these notes on this. So it, it talks about, like, this is just typical, all the stuff we would talk about now, but it seems very prescient for what's happening right now. Um, Novus Ordo Seculorum, the New Order of the Barbarians, um, gets into, like, is there a power or a group of men organizing or redirecting change? Um, the real and the stated goals, population control, permission to have babies, contraception available to all, tax-funded fun- abortion as population control, sex ed as a tool of world government, encouraging homosexuality, families to diminish in importance, euthanasia, and the demise pill. So there's your, there's your, uh, there's your maid service. Limited access, limiting access to affordable medical care makes eliminating the elderly easier, planned control over medicine, elimination of private doctors, suppressing cures as a means of pop control, inducing heart attacks as a form of assassination, changing the Bible, blending all religions. Old religions will have to go. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's like all the stuff that's kind of like we, you know, talk about in the contemporary conspiracy community around what's happened over the last few years, especially controlling who has access to information, schools as the hub of the community. Some books will just disappear from the libraries. That's already started in, happening. In, encouragement of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, restrictions on travel, the need for more jails, global independence, consolidated policy. Car industry and patriotism would go down the drain, loss of jobs, population shifts. So it's pretty doom and gloom, obviously. But yeah, interesting. I'll put it, I mean, I don't even know how I'd put a link to it, but I guess you can, people can find it out there, the New Order of Barbarians. I was thinking maybe it's something I could narrate on YouTube, but I mean, it might be a bit, and this, this might even, talking about it might even get us in trouble. So maybe I'll save that for some other time. But if anybody has any additional information on it, let us know.
Maybe they give us just enough rope to hang ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Do I get a, a rating for that Cinco? I mean. Um, I mean, I'll give you a seven. Let's just, I can't get over that seven hump. All these things happen to me and I can't do it. One day. One day. I mean, do you think I'm treating you unfairly? No, not at all. Whatever. I'm okay with it. I'm not taking it personal. It can't all be tense, buddy. I think I gave so, you nine before. Yeah, yeah. I think I did get one way back when. Maybe you're greasing me up or something. It's so, it feel special like it should. Strike Foundation. That's what we've been talking about last week, too, with the uh, Malcolm Bendall tech with Randall Carlson. So I just did want to mention there's a book available for download there from uh, Ken Shoulders, which is, a, which is a lot of this stuff is based on. I think it's called EV. The, uh, oh, I should have had it handy. I'm going to have to, now I have to find it. I'll, I'll, I'll get the exact name on it. Um, but there's also the, pre his presentation is available for download too, like PDF, PowerPoint, like all those slides and all that. So you don't have to watch the 15 videos. You can also just download it all and read through it all. Like they're making all that available. The band all the rules, right? Is that the. Then, yeah. Well, it's on, it's on strike. Uh, how to, but also has it downloading downloadable. Um, is it on YouTube or no? No, I don't think so. And Ken Shoulders' old book is called EV, A Tale of Discovery. And this was heavily censored and it was written in the late 80s. In the late 80s. Yeah. And a lot of it's based on that. Ken Shoulders worked with... So uh, that's, that's not the shaman one? No, the shaman one... That's the that's the fictionized version of Alhat, his life, which is Malcolm Bendall. Um, that's a that's a great read. That's it reads like an international espionage spy. <laughs> like it could be a fantastic movie. You know, that's that's the kind of book that is. Is that the one that you've been narrating? Shh, shh, shh. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not a leak until you release it. <laughs> you can read into a recorder all you want. Yeah. I'm reading into a recorder right now while I'm reading that book. Yeah. Are you doing voices? Well, no, I'm just, just little tweaks here and there, you know, it'll are be you, good. I think it'll be good. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing the, the Cylon voice in there. You're not doing the, the kind of, do you have, do you have conversations with yourself? Yeah. Maybe little ones like this, little changes like that, you know, can you give us a little sample? I just did like that, you what? know, like that. Was that with your board? Yeah. Let's see, do that again. I didn't even notice. Well, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be that noticeable really, but it's a little bit. I mean, you could go a little deeper like that, but. <laughs> Let's hear your girl. No. No? No. People are going to hear it in the books. That's, that's what they should hear. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Just a little bit. No. <laughs> no. Just a tip. No. <laughs> hey, Jack. She's a beautiful princess. <laughs> 
Remember that erotica book you were looking at doing? Oh, that you know why? Because on Audible, they had all those ones for uh, available voiceovers. They're all erotica and sexual. It's like nobody wants to do those books. <laughs> There's a giant. I'm like, well, that would be a cool kind to do, but There's I guess giant... people have a hard time putting on their sexy voice, you know? There's a giant market for that. Uh... If people want to get into narrating, yeah, either let us know or go do some samples of the erotica on Audible. Don't don't get us fucking involved. How about that? <laughs> you just go do your thing, do whatever you want, and leave us the fuck out of it. What you could get us involved in is some support. We could use some support. It's dwindling. You could say grammarica.ca slash support. If you like us, if you want to keep us around, if you're getting some value from our little show over here, head over to grammarica.ca slash support today, sign up for monthly, or make a one-time donation. That is the only way we keep going and growing around here is if you guys support us uh let us know that you're still getting some value from the show maybe nobody's listening out there maybe we're just yelling into the void but if you are listening and you are getting some value head over grandmaker.ca slash support today and sign up for monthly that'd be great or send us a one-time donation you could also head over grandmaker.outlaw.ca check out that podcast if you like that maybe you want to be a member over there you know, you can get some audiobooks at adultbrain.ca. You can come on the trip like we were talking about earlier. All that stuff. But it's more important than ever to support stuff you like. America.ca slash support. What else you got? Well, I mean, we should talk about uh, trolls on the internet, maybe. Trolls. A little bit. No, this isn't. I shouldn't say trolls. It's not fair yet. Now, this seems to me. Tell me, tell me when this article was written. Okay, ready? Klaus Schwab hires millions of information warriors to seize control of the internet. 2017. Yeah, you'd think, eh? Yeah. So apparently, announced, well, this came out yesterday. Well, I could see, that's what the other... No, sorry, 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 three days ago. Could have come out at any time in the last five years. Yeah, so it says here, announcing on announcing the news on a WEF podcast, UN Communications Director Melissa Flemings said, so far we've recruited 110,000 information volunteers and we equipped these information volunteers with a kind of knowledge about how misinformation spreads and asked them to serve as kind of digital first responders in these spaces where inf- misinformation travels. Does that ring a bell? Uh, well, yeah, everyone's been saying that for a while. Have they? Have they? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I heard Trudeau say that. <laughs> Hundred ten thousand, though. I mean, that's a lot for that's uh, a lot for no, Canada, not but. that number. No. Also on the podcast, mainstream journalist Mark Little sets out potential solutions to the so-called infodemic. Little Little has worked for Twitter and founded Storyful, a social media news agency closely linked to the fact-checking program. He has now launched Kinzen, a company which is threatening to use AI to censor online content on behalf of the elite. I've started to see the spread of misinformation as a global health crisis, Little tells World versus Virus. Misinformation is that serious a threat to our society. It's happening within our friends and families. So we have to find strategies to first of all, recognize it. And secondly, as active citizens, just like we wear masks to protect others, we need to be the good citizen, the active vector fighting back in our daily lives. 
The WEF are determined to control the internet, and they have had a major hand in pushing Senate Bill 686, also known as the TikTok ban bill, which gives American citizens 20 years in prison for spreading so-called disinformation. This is the most dangerous bill since the Patriot Act in 2001, and we made a whole video exposing how it will allow the globalist elite to colonize America and the free world. Free world. I mean, uh, and so it, it talks about how authority. So what is authoritative messaging infiltrating and subverting? So they're talking about training people to go into these just normal chat rooms. Like, for example, people would come into our YouTube comments and and just spread their, you know, proper information. And make us seem like the conspiracy theorists, I guess. We are. The average user of conspiracy forums in 2023 has already proven themselves by rejecting the all-encompassing fake news mainstream media, despite an endless barrage of propaganda and predictive programming. These are the people who understand that all the world's a stage. These are people who are already battle-hardened. Trying to infiltrate these forums and social media and subvert certain members seems like a tactic that will be perceived as an intrusion that further divides and leads to even less trust. Even so... Sense. They're gonna, they're gonna be coming in droves, baby. It's a TikTok act. So they're gonna call it like it's coming in as as this authoritative messaging. Hmm. Future is bright. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Eh? This is what we're dealing with now, right? This is like the new war. It's the info war. The new normal. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for people. It's from the People's Voice. So I haven't fact-checked it, but they do say they talk about it on their podcast, which I wouldn't doubt. The new normal hasn't been all it's cracked out to be. Well, you got a bile for a buddy? Oh, no, I don't. I forgot. I don't think he has one on his site and all that. We are bileless. I don't think he has one, yeah. Trying to make one up? Yeah, he's been making his awesome videos on using art to bring wisdom and spread profound ideas on YouTube and now on Rumble as well. I think for seven years now, he's got a huge following on YouTube. Great channel. Um, he's got a new podcast out called Before School, which is kind of like he's starting sort of more of a long form podcast. Um, and his sort of content has evolved over the years. Now he's going to use his contacts and get into some of the longer form discussions. So Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a good one. Mark's a great guy. Subscribe to his channel. And this is another reason why you come to events. I mean, Mark's been to a few of our events now. You could show up and uh, get to hang out with him, meet him, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's about all we got for our lazy ramblings this week, guys. Enjoy the chat with the fabulous Mark Wooding.
There it is. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good to see Hello, you guys. again. Good to see you. Yeah, this will be fun. I noticed you were showing your face on one of your latest videos, too. So I thought, hey, maybe this will be good. Get Everybody can get to see Mark. Yeah, I just started my own podcast. So see how that goes. Did you? Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick your brain about some things. Oh, yeah, no problem. What's <laughs> it called? Right now, the name is Before School Podcast. Interesting. BSP. Yeah, well, you want to stick with the branding, of course. So now you yeah. have access to all these fantastic people. I mean, the last video you've seen, I haven't seen all of them, I'll be honest. But I know I was watching the Huberman one earlier, and it seems like they're getting a lot more interactive because now that you've built up this audience and everything else, you're able to, you know, contact these people directly. I mean, we've seen it firsthand with Randall, so... That must be exciting for you. Yeah, it's been a cool journey. Like when I first started, it was all about kind of just taking things under the radar and trying to get people to share them. And, you know, nobody knew who I was, but some things went viral. And over time, it people started coming to me. And it's been, you know, I much prefer to do collaborations than to take somebody's thing without their permission. Like, you know, I, I always need to get permission before I do it, but I'd rather much rather do a collaboration than something where they just say, oh, yeah, you can use that, you know. So are you are you going to sort of combine your podcast into this channel, too? Because I noticed you you sort of and I was going to ask you this, like, you're, you know, a question sort of on how you got started and and what your you know goal was and how it's evolved. But it seems like now you've kind of incorporated a bit of a podcast feel with your art and some different video aspects. Yeah, well, you know, I've always wanted to do a podcast and I, I do my, my inbox, my email inbox has people that are just like pretty awesome. So I figured some of these conversations should be on the internet. And the great thing about podcasting is it's, it's the most low effort, high yield thing you can do. Like you sit down for two hours, you walk away, you have a two hour video. You know, how many years did it take to create Lord of the Rings? Like 10 years? <laughs> the Peter Jackson version, but a podcast, you know, Joe Rogan sits down for, for three hours, 12 million people listen to him and it only took him three hours to make that content. So it's the most low effort, high producing content you can do. We talked about that when we met you um, and we were talking about just the difference between what we were doing with podcasting and how much effort like to make your videos. I mean, you had to put so much effort and time and i mean it pays off you would think too but it's a it's a completely different thing yeah like the video i put out uh last week i started that one in the end of 2022 you know that's when we were first starting to work on it so the videos that are coming out are like you're what you're seeing is like the very tip of the iceberg yeah yeah, yeah. how's your show going you guys still aren't canceled well I was I like I was thinking, please don't let this like this chat with Mark be the one that puts the nail in the coffin for our little fledgling YouTube channel. But you know, the podcast is going good in general. I mean, it's you know, we've got both of them. We're talking, we're thinking about doing sort of more of a live thing on more of these channels like Rumble and and Rockfin and YouTube if we can, and and uh, and we're thinking about other ways to to monetize it as well. Maybe we're looking at you know different ways of discoverability. The landscape's always changing, so. Oh, sorry, what? The landscape's always changing, you know? Like, the, you know, there's more people 
I think on these other channels now watching stuff, you know, people want to see the videos, like you said, with Rogan and even just yourself doing it. I think, uh, you know, audio is good, but we might sort of branch more into videos again. It, it's so weird because podcasting is like, it's an audio format, but it doesn't do well if it doesn't have the video. It's kind of odd. It used to, there was a, it used to do way better, but I think some things have changed now and Darren might help me out on this. I don't really know exactly, but either video got better or easier. There's more platforms now to watch it. Um, so making it seem to get easier and, uh, and the discoverability of podcasts in audio format only, like you don't have that like YouTube algorithm, like grabbing at you all the time, you know? Um, so a few things have changed to, to switch that. Cause it used to be opposite. Well, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say because we always, I mean, I can't remember when we first started streaming, but the show at least has gone to YouTube since day one. It's just never really grown there. Uh, well, we have we didn't put any effort into it. We just, it was a repository for our audio. So it's, that's our fault. It's not, you know, anything to do with YouTube. Well, I don't know. I just don't think if you're not doing video, we were, we were posting a lot of just audio to, to YouTube, which I don't think is a huge crossover. And, uh, but I don't know if there's a, I mean, I, I don't think there's a huge crossover between the two audiences, to be perfectly honest. I think that a YouTube audience is, I mean, you're going to have, you know, a small percentage of the people that are going to come and because they want to see you or they want to see you live and they've been listening forever and they want to watch that sort of thing. But for the most part, I think you're really dealing with two completely different audiences. I don't think that most people are going to YouTube to listen to a podcast. I mean, you got to pay them the 15 or it might be up to 20 bucks a month now just to have YouTube play in the background. So I can go look at another app while I'm listening to something like that. So I can, I can sort of see, and I think it's always been that way. And I think it's getting even, it's personally, I think it's getting even more separated. So I think you're just completely engaging a couple different markets. So you're just sort of adding yourself to a completely different market, which in retrospect, we probably could have paid more attention, especially when, once we started streaming the video because we were we had the video then anyway but i mean it used to take a long time to to do any of that like to i mean you know you're making videos so you know how long it takes now to render something out compared to how it how long it took five or six years ago or 10 years ago or how long it takes to like even do something simple like add an intro onto something or an outro onto something like there's we've got these tools like davinci and um, Canva and Storyblocks and all these things. Now that you can do that sort of thing, drag and drop pretty easily. But those video editors were pretty intimidating six or seven years ago. I love your intro, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I just made that today. With Canva. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's just one of those things with Canva, DaVinci, Streamyard. I mean, when we were trying to stream before, we had to go through OBS and restream, and it was always fucking something. Something was always jacked up, or the audio, you know, the quality's down because the audio is not synced up. Or by the time I get the YouTube stream working, 
Graham's already 15 minutes, you know, because I'm going through and cleaning up a lot of that stuff now. And there's so many intros that or so many YouTube videos that the stream starts 10 minutes into the into the interview already because we just couldn't wait any longer because I guess it's just like you you'll be just sitting here where we're like, well, I don't know. We can't get this fucking shit to work because we've got <laughs> programs open and all of them have to kind of work together. Well, I, I like how you guys talk for like 30 minutes before you start the podcast. I kind of, I kind of enjoy just you two talking. Well, that's yeah, hilarious. I, yeah, well, I listened well, to quite a few of your podcasts before this started and oh, I, yeah. I listened to the intros and then I just didn't listen to the guests. Yeah. Yeah. That, that seemed to happen quite a bit. Well, we got listeners involved. I mean, the main thing was back then, like a lot of listeners would email in like synchronicities or stories and it was a way to engaged listeners so we started reading emails and synchronicities and kind of it would be sort of our introduction our housekeeping sort of introduction to keep everybody sort of involved i guess that would not that now is kind of being replaced in a lot of ways by locals or by the people in the chats or by your your standalone chat like discord or gilded or whatever so but that was that was probably you know one of the reasons why we did that and now it kind of stuck So how did you, like, when did you want to, how long have you been doing your channel for and how did you get sort of started on, on that? Like using your art to bring wisdom to the world. Yeah. So I've been animating for probably 12 or 13 years. Uh, My first introduction to the animation style was those RSA animations. You might've seen them over a decade ago. They were really popular for explaining things. I remember I was in college and a professor just put one of those on and I was like fixated on it. And I thought, let me try this. And uh, at my first job, they uh, had me doing some video editing, some educational content, and uh, I gave it a shot and everybody loved it. And that first video led to five more requests to do more videos. And then the clients got bigger and bigger. And then eventually I got sick of doing work for clients. And I thought, all right, you know what, let me start my own YouTube channel. I always looked up to YouTubers and I, you know, I really envied the freedom that they had. I had no idea that it was going to grow to what it was, but, you know, I kind of just followed my intuition and I I said, I'm I'm going to give myself one year to just give yourself a year to like, just explore around and commit to YouTube. And pretty much like my goal was to hit a hundred thousand subscribers and literally on the year I hit a hundred thousand subscribers. And the funny thing was six months into that year, I hadn't even got a thousand subscribers yet. So I wasn't even 1% of the way to my goal half a year in, but I was like, no, no, just, just keep grinding. And then eventually one video goes viral and then that leads to five other videos getting traction and then it blows up. Do you think that's possible nowadays that, that, uh, that growth curve? I don't know if it's easier or harder to grow now because there's so many influencers now and it seems like on, I haven't been on TikTok, but it seems on TikTok you can get a million followers overnight for just tying your shoes, <laughs> you know? And then, but there was definitely a lot less competition when I started about seven years ago. And now there's just, there's a YouTube channel for everything, which yeah. I, I think it's great. You know, it's taken over cable TV. It's a lot of people watch YouTube instead of, uh, these streaming networks. Which one went yeah, viral yeah. first? What was your first hit? Uh, the first one was about why millennials struggle in the workforce by Simon Sinek. 
Um, when I started, I was writing all my own scripts and that was extremely labor intensive. And then I came across this audio clip from a guy named Simon Sinek, where he kind of criticized parenting and um, entitlement and said that that's why millennials don't do very well in the workforce. This was a while ago when it was really popular to dunk on millennials. So I animated that and that went viral. He shared it everywhere. And then I thought, okay, maybe there's something to animating audio clips that other people do. So then I, I've always been a fan of uh, Joe Rogan. So I animated one of his clips and then he shared it everywhere. Once he started tweeting that out, that got it a ton of views right away. And then my really big viral video was um, kind of a random one, which I wrote myself. Uh, Why don't country flags use the color purple? Very random topic. I was just looking at a wall of flags and I noticed that there wasn't any purple. And I was like, huh, I wonder why that is. And in the beginning of my YouTube channel, I was very focused on trying to answer questions that you kind of didn't ask, but once you saw the question, you needed to know the answer to. And so this is one of those, if we want to watch it, we can do that. Yeah, I'll throw it on yeah. here now. Do you want me to have the audio on or do you want to take us through? Let's put the audio on for a minute. So you can yeah. get a, a thing for the flavor. Of course, our audio only people, if they want to head over to the YouTube page and, and check this out, it'll be on there. But, uh, you know, audio goes right along with this. You don't, you totally, like Mark said, it's it's Simon talking. Actually, this one isn't. So this is... The, this is uh, an original uh, video. Yeah, then it went viral. So let's, uh, all right, I'll unmute it and we'll take it from the top. So this was your first big one. So this one, this must have uh, been a big, you must have felt pretty good. <laughs> like, a, you know, because I know how it feels when it's like, because it seems like it's years of work before the payoff finally hits. And when... You know, sometimes you just got to be like, holy fuck, you know, the fucking three or four years of work is going to pay off. It's all going to be worth it. Totally. Yeah. This video got me 100,000 subscribers in a week. So pretty crazy. There are 196 countries in the world today, and virtually none of them have purple on their national flag. Throughout history, purple was never used to represent a kingdom, civilization, or empire. So what's wrong with purple? It's such a popular color today. Why would no country use it in their flag? The answer is really quite So who's, uh, who's reading the script? Uh, this is a buddy of mine. Okay. So you, yeah. just, you just found a buddy and said, hey, can you read this for me? Why didn't you do it yourself? You just... Uh, he was a professor at a college and he had a really animated, fun, academic voice. So I, I was like, Hey, can you read this for me? And we really, I really liked his voice, but he does sound like I haven't worked with him in years. So he does sound like he could have been a pro, like you, someone you found yeah. on Fiverr or something like that, you know? Yeah. Simple. Purple was just far too expensive. No countries have purple on their flag because up until the 1800s, purple was worth more than its weight in gold. The color purple has been associated with royalty, power, and wealth for centuries. In fact, Queen Elizabeth I forbade anyone except close members of the royal family to wear it. Purple's elite status stems from the rarity and cost of the dye originally used to produce it. The dye initially used to make purple came from the Phoenician trading city of Tyre, which is now in modern-day Lebanon. Fabric traders obtained the dye from a small sea snail that was only found in the Tyre region of the Mediterranean. 
A lot of work went into producing the dye, as more than 10,000 snails were needed to create just one gram of Tyrian purple. Since only wealthy rulers could afford to buy and wear the color, it became associated with the imperial classes of Rome, Egypt, and Persia. Purple also came to represent spirituality and holiness because the ancient emperors, kings, and queens that wore the color were often thought of as gods or descendants of the gods. Sometimes, however, the dye was too expensive even for royalty. Third century Roman Emperor Aurelian famously wouldn't allow his wife to buy a shawl made from Tyrian purple silk because it literally... So when your hand comes in like that and moves around, is that actually you drawing it just sped up mm -hmm. yep the whiteboard's right behind me so and are you you're actually so you're just moving over and over on the whiteboard or is each one its own separate drawing and you're just overlaying it onto a uh, whiteboard sort of canvas digital canvas uh it's all physically drawn on a whiteboard and uh there is a digital aspect to it so i kind of there's a drawing and then it kind of turns into a picture and then that picture moves over and then it's a video of me drawing and then that turns into a picture and then that moves over. So sometimes you'll see like shading get added to a drawing and that's like, that's when it's transforming into the picture. Sometimes I'll touch up the pictures a little bit and then I'll slide it over and then it's video, but it's all disguised because I kind of blow up the whites. So it all kind of blends together. But this is a little, a little bit of a trip to watch this again. I haven't seen this video in maybe like, <laughs> three or four years. Do you keep them all? Yeah. Do you buy a new whiteboard for each one? Do I draw a new whiteboard for yeah, each like, one? Yeah, like do you keep the whiteboard? No, it's all dry erase markers. So you just erase that so shit. It, it all gets erased. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you knew you were going to end up with 3 million subscribers, would you like uh, maybe like clear coated them and throw them out of your account? <laughs> Maybe it might be yeah, worth it like might be worth fifty bucks every time. Originals, man, they'd be worth you know more than the the whiteboard would cost you, unless it's like a fancy <laughs> digital whiteboard that's automatically putting it on in the computer somehow. Yeah, there there is something kind of cool about physically doing it because everybody's like, "What software is this? What program is this?" And it it's not a program. Like that's why it kind of has this feel that it you're actually looking at a physical thing. Like the when you see those. Um, programs that do the whiteboard animation for you it just looks off because it's like a picture of a hand and that hand is just like following a digital point and it kind of like you know it's a trick of the eye but you can tell you're trying to be it's like when you see a cgi thing yeah you know you're looking at cgi it's the same as listening to like a whole bunch of uh like the deep fake stuff the more of it i listen to the more i can pick it up quicker really? yeah i just find there's a sound to that AI and I'm sure it'll get better and I'm, I won't, but like, and it might only be after I know it's AI, but I just like, I find when I listen to stuff now, if it's deep faked, I can hear it's got like a weird sort of tinge to it. I mean, I'm an audiophile too. I listen to audio for a living. Um, so I like to think I have a half ass ear for it. But there's, and I've heard other people say the same thing, that once you get used to listening to that, your brain, your brain fucking figures it out, man. Like, I think your brain will always figure out until it gets really, really, really good. You know, it might take it half an hour or something of you listening to something, but you'll be like, hey, wait a second. This is not a real person. This is a, some, a, something's a little off here, whether it's a video 
Or, you know, your eyes and your ears have been evolving to see real shit for a million fucking years. I don't think it's going to be, computers are going to be fooling it anytime soon. 100%. Have you ever used those uh, noise-canceling headphones? Yes. Do, do those work for you, or does that throw you off Not as really. Well? It throws me off, and then I had, like, I thought the Apple earbuds would be okay because they have that transparency mode, so that throws me off, too. And I've got, like, even my hunting duck hunting earmuffs. They have, like, a volume you can turn up so you can... So it'll automatically muffle when you when you pull the trigger because it passes the decibel limit and it shuts it off. But I can amplify it so theoretically I can hear ducks coming from farther away. But I just end up uh, leaving it off because I can hear ducks, but I can't tell what fucking direction they're coming from. All of that is gone. So it's just, it seems like a real good idea. And it's good maybe at the range because you can talk to your buddies and then shoot. But in the field, when you need to know what direction the sound's coming from, it kind of just, it doesn't work. Well, maybe you have an ear for it because you grew up in an age before all this technology existed. But, you know, this next generation this uh fake ai stuff is more real than real life to them that is a good point that is a good point i mean might be part of a dying breed i just think it's uh kind of an evolutional thing too i think there's uh an evolutional thing that it'll take a while for that because it's not like taking all the words and sewing them together it's like picking up that voice pattern and synthesizing it so i that will always sort of pick up that, but I could be wrong. All right, let's jump back into this for, there's only a, uh, it's pretty much, you know, I think you get the gist of it. It costs three but, times. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we can finish this one, but I think we got the gist of it. Do you want to, uh, maybe we should play a new one and see what the difference yeah. is, you know, it's like interesting how, like how far the evolution of the, the content and the art has come because it's, it's trippy to look back and see, cause that was almost made for kids. You know, that was like third grade content. Was that what your thought was in the beginning? Was it for kids? You know, like I kind of like didn't have a target audience in the beginning, but I, you know, animations are more for kids and it was an educational channel. So I wanted to cover topics that were kid friendly. And then uh, I think in 2018, YouTube made a really deliberate um, policy choice where they said, you have to choose if you're making content for kids or if you, you're making content for adults. And if you're making content for kids, you have to jump through all these loopholes. And, um, you know, I just wasn't going to like do that. You know, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't want to commit to being a kid's channel. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to do more adult content. And at that point I really pivoted. I was like, I'm just going to make videos for myself, really. Like, I am my own target audience. And if I get zero views, so be it. But at least I made a video that I want to learn about, you know? That's funny. That's kind of what we said, too, in the beginning. We're like, we're going to talk to whoever we deem is interesting, you know? It's not going to be about any kind of other thing, but we have to be interested in it. Otherwise, it's just not not authentic or something, or it's not worth it. It would have drove you nuts eventually, I feel like. It would have, uh, because I see these, because my kids are watching some of these like unspeakable. I mean, sure, he made $30 million last year, but I mean, the dude, you can tell he's just had enough of it. He's just like, you know, he's growing out of that stage of wanting to make kids content, but he's just stuck with it. I mean, for $30 million a year, you can 
stuff in it. I think a video that we could check out that's very relevant to what we're talking about now is if you scroll down, there's one on audience capture, how influencers kind of think they're influencing their audience, but really their audience is influencing them. It's uh, a warning to influencers. All right. That one's, that one's crazy. That's perfect. Yeah, let's try that. This after school presentation was written and recorded by Gawinda. In 2016, 24 year old Nicholas Perry wanted to be big online. He started uploading videos to his YouTube channel in which he pursued his passion, playing the violin, and extolled the virtues of veganism. He went largely unnoticed. A year later, he abandoned veganism, citing health concerns. Now free to eat whatever he wanted, he began uploading mukbang videos of himself consuming various dishes while talking to the camera, as if having dinner with a friend. These new videos quickly found a sizable audience, but as the audience grew, so did their demands. The comment sections of the videos soon became filled with people challenging Perry to eat as much as he physically could. Eager to please, he began to set himself torturous eating challenges, each bigger than the last. His audience applauded, but always demanded more. Soon, he was filming himself eating entire menus of fast food restaurants in one sitting. In some respects, all his eating paid off. Nikocado Avocado, as Perry is now better known, has amassed over 6 million subscribers across six channels on YouTube. By satisfying the escalating demands of his audience, he got his wish <laughs> of blowing up and being big online. But the cost was that he blew up and became big in ways he hadn't anticipated. Nikocado, moulded by his audience's desires into a cartoonish extreme, is now a wholly different character from Nicholas Perry the vegan violinist who first started making videos. Where Perry was mild-mannered and health-conscious, Nikocado is loud, abrasive, and spectacularly grotesque. Where Perry was a picky eater, Nikocado devoured everything he could, including, finally, Perry himself. The rampant appetite for attention caused a person to be subsumed by the persona. We often talk of captive audiences regarding the performer as hypnotizing the viewers, but just as often, it's the viewers hypnotizing the performer. This disease, of which Perry is but one victim of many, is known as audience capture, and it is essential to understanding influences in particular and the online ecosystem in general. Audience capture is an irresistible force in the world of influencing, because it's not just a conscious process, but also an unconscious one. While it may ostensibly appear to be a simple case of influencers making a business decision to create more of the content they believe audiences want, and then being incentivized by engagement numbers to remain in this niche forever. It's actually deeper than that. It involves the gradual and unwitting replacement of a person's identity with one custom made for the audience. To understand how, we must consider how people come to define themselves. A person's identity is being constantly refined, so it needs constant feedback. That feedback typically comes from other people, not so much by what they say they see as by what we think they see. We develop our personalities by imagining ourselves through others' eyes, using their borrowed gazes like mirrors to dress ourselves. Just as lacking a mirror to dress ourselves leaves us dishevelled, so lacking other people's eyes to refine our personalities leaves us uncouth. This is why those raised in isolation become feral humans, adopting the character of beasts. Put simply, in order to be someone, we need someone to be someone for. Our personalities develop as a role we perform for other people, fulfilling the expectations we think they have of us. The American sociologist Charles Cooley 
dubbed this phenomenon the looking glass self. Evidence for it is diverse and includes the everyday experience of seeing ourselves through merchandise in social situations, otherwise known as the spotlight effect. The tendency for people to alter their behaviour when in the presence of pictures of eyes, otherwise known as the watching eye effect, and the tendency for people in virtual spaces to adopt the traits of their avatars in an attempt to fulfil expectations, otherwise known as the Proteus effect. When we lived in small, tight-knit communities, the looking-glass self helped us to become the people our loved ones wanted us to be. The problem is, we no longer live solely among those we know well. We can only gauge who they are by what some of them post online, and what people post online is not indicative of who they really are. As such, the people we're increasingly becoming someone for are an abstract illusion. When influencers are analysing audience feedback, they often find that their more outlandish behaviour receives the most attention and approval, which leads them to recalibrate their personalities according to far more extreme social cues than those they'd receive in real life. In doing this, they exaggerate the more idiosyncratic facets of their personalities, becoming crude caricatures of themselves. The caricature quickly becomes the influence distinct brand, and all subsequent attempts by the influencer to remain on brand and fulfil audience expectations require them to act like the caricature. As the caricature becomes more familiar than the person, both to the audience and to the influencer, it comes to be regarded by both as the only honest expression of the influencer, so that any deviation from it soon looks and feels inauthentic. At that point, the persona has eclipsed the person, and the audience has captured the influencer. Wow. The old Greek legends tell of Narcissus, a youth so handsome he became besotted by his own reflection. Unable to look away from his image in the surface of the waters, he fell still forever and was transformed by the gods into a flower. Similarly, as influencers glimpse their idealised online personas reflected back at them on screens, they too are in danger of becoming eternally besotted by how they appear, and in so doing, forgetting who they were, or could be. This is the ultimate trapdoor in the Hall of Fame, to become a prisoner of one's own persona. The desire for recognition in an increasingly atomised world lures us to be who strangers wish us to be, and with personal developments so arduous and lonely, there is ease and comfort in crowdsourcing your identity. But amid such temptations, it's worth remembering that when you become who your audience expects at the expense of who you are, the affection you receive is not intended for you but for the character you're playing, a character you'll eventually tire of. And so be warned, being someone often means being fake, and if you chase the approval of others, you may, in the end, lose the approval of yourself. So that was it. Wow, what a powerful video. Thanks for Man, tuning your, in. To this your episode. animations are so amazing. Like they're so good. It just it's it's such a, a good way to help people learn, right? We we did a, a show on Outlawed with Etienne who did a book on uh, the government and uh, it's all visual stuff, right? Because they figure that it's easier for people to learn that. And I mean that is so it's so I I can't imagine it personally because I can't draw. I can't. I'm just not a, that kind of artist, so I can't even like imagine how you're doing that. Oh well, thanks, man. Yeah, that was a different video than what I normally do. Like I've never, I never even personally say people's names in videos, and like I didn't mean to like attack that dude, that other YouTuber. He uh, he of course got offended by it, but um, that's fine. But it wasn't against him at all. You know, it was just pointing out the phenomenon. And once you get eyes to see it, you start to see it all over the place that certain um, influencers or online 
um, personalities, they become caricatures of themselves and they start to, they fall into this extreme behavior. That's just like, they're not picking up on cues that you would in normal life. They're picking up on these, this feedback loop from, uh, an online community that, that just wants to like egg them on into this character, you know? That's amazing. That's why unspeakable keeps driving bigger shit into that lake. His, he just, you know, just buy shit and wreck it. Just buy shit and wreck it. Like, how did it get to that? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever worry about that for yourself, Mark? Or, I mean, is that like, well, especially now that you're thinking about putting yourself out, I'm, I'm assuming that you're sort of thinking about putting yourself out there more like we are now, which is interesting because we're kind of going through that same thought process maybe like because i i don't really care to be on i don't want to be in front of people really like i i like talking to people and having the conversation and the podcasting and stuff and reading books but i don't really care to to do this but it feels like it's it's uh it's kind of what we might have to do now to keep growing or to keep sustaining ourselves even i think it can happen anytime you're chasing an audience or you're you're looking at the outcome and you're seeing how can i get that outcome. I want a lot of views. What can I do to get a lot of views? Instead of starting with yourself, what am I interested in? And then genuinely pursuing that thing. Like I, there's tons of people on online that are not captured by their audience. You know, I don't think Randall is or Graham or Joe Rogan or you guys, like as long as you're authentically just exploring your curiosity and then you're sharing that from a genuine place, I think that's, that's fine. It's also a balance. You know, you, you have to listen to your audience. You can't just completely neglect them because a lot of their feedback is valid. You know, yeah, yeah. everybody's telling you, you suck. <laughs> you, you suck, you know, you know, that's a good point. I mean, and, and Rogan even says that, Oh, I don't, I don't read those comments a lot and stuff, but somebody like Darren and I were talking about that. Cause we, we got a bad review on one of our audiobooks. And I'm like, that fucker just put it up there. Like the night the book came out, what the fuck? And Darren's like, don't read those man. And, and I'm like, well, somebody's got to, cause I want to know the, I want to know legit feedback. I want to know when I can, that's something that I can improve on. I mean, I, I kind of constantly want to improve. So, but how do you, you know, not pay attention to the garbage, but pay attention to the good stuff. I guess my favorite analogy is a wheel. I like to think of balance like a wheel. Like if you if a wheel's too loose, it's going to wobble out of control. And if it's too tight, it won't spin. So if I'm getting too sucked into comments, I'm like, am I wobbling out of control right now? And if I'm completely ignoring everything, I'm like, maybe I'm a little too tight. I need to, I need to listen to the criticism. Yeah, that's a good analogy. What, um, I mean... What, uh, what's it like working with YouTube? Is that, you must, because not only are you just working with YouTube, you're working with YouTube and you're He's pushing, you're the limits. pushing the limits, you know? I mean, have you talked to someone at YouTube that's on you? Because I mean, I don't know what the fuck is a strike and what's not. And they won't tell me where, and they won't tell me how, and I'm not going to have you, uh, despair youtube here because i know that's a very important uh part of your your work but yeah, yeah. i'm just wondering if like because maybe you're at the size you are i know like you've talked about going to youtube and stuff like that um do they have do they give you a little like do they let you know what's okay what's not do they are you just in the dark as in the dark as we are well it's weird I, i'll be the first one to say that i'm like an absolute free speech 
person. Like I'm, I think everybody should be able to have a voice and the big tech, all these uh, social media companies have been painted with this broad brush that they're all about censorship. And I do think that's wrong. I think that a lot of them have handled it the wrong way, but I will give YouTube credit that I think of all the social media companies, they have handled it better. And I've been to their headquarters. I've even, I even had a sit down meeting with, um, their now former CEO, Susan Wojcicki. And, you know, there's all these theories out there that she's this nefarious character, that she's trying to suppress this group or that group. And what my, from my experience with just meeting her is that she's just like a nice woman that wants to feed her family. Like I got no vibes of like that she's orchestrating some grand thing. And, and what I came away with that meeting is that like YouTube is kind of caught in the middle you have all these creators and this big audience that has these demands and it's very hard to make them happy. But the side that we don't see is all these like governance agencies and politicians and sponsors and all these, all this money and investors are saying, Hey, you need to censor more. You need to create stricter policies. And YouTube is kind of just in the middle, like trying to make everybody happy. They don't, they don't really have this like secret agenda, I guess. Maybe the forces that are telling YouTube what to do, they do, but YouTube is just, they just want to make money and entertain people from what I see. So how do you, how would you, how would they, how should they handle it, Do you think if, cause you know, you mentioned that a lot of these platforms have maybe handled it the wrong way. Like to me, sticking with what free speech is all about, like, I mean, not allowing them to sort of, it seems like they're all sort of swaying against i mean like for example just some of our strikes i mean we've just been the stuff we got striked for is now just known it's just it's truth it's known so they're not they're obviously not following the right direction as far as like truth goes i mean we should be allowed to talk about this stuff hmm. like how did so should it just be like hey if you're as long as you're not advocating violence like hate speech is allowed all that stuff is allowed because really that's what what was supposed to be happening in the states you know yeah, it's tough because there's so much gray area, but these tech companies, they want to operate. They want to have their foot in both realms and, and, you know, are they a public utility? Are they like a phone company? Or are they an editor of the content like the New York Times? Like, are they responsible for the things that are posted on their, their platform? Well, they, they don't want that responsibility. They say, no, no, if, somebody, if some, somebody gets hurt because of what happens on our platform, that's not our responsibility. Yet they also want to have the editorial control. And it's like, I don't know if you can have both. Like, are you an editor? Because if you're an editor, you have responsibility. But if you're hands off, like if you're like a phone company, you have to be hands off 100%. You know, you can't get both. Yeah, it, brings, it leaves it open to digital agent provocateurs is the way I've been looking at it. Like somebody can come into our chat or somebody can come into our, our Discord chat and or somebody can do something on, you know, whatever it is to, to kind of just ruin our whole community on purpose. It leaves it open to all that. You can, you know, take a picture of a, the wrong flag at a protest and all of a sudden you've ruined the whole thing. Yeah, it's crazy. On Instagram, I'm shadow banned. You can't even search for my page. And one of, them, one of my strikes is because I drew a picture of some dictators. And I was saying, clearly the post was saying this was bad. And it was like Mao and Stalin and Hitler. 
and there was a swastika on on Hitler's like arm. And because of that, they said that I'm promoting hate groups. And I'm like, you need to have context. Like, are you just completely not allowed to talk about this? Because I'm not promoting it. I'm, you know, and the You're other the strike opposite. I got. Yeah, I got a couple other strikes. They they thought I was selling drugs because I made a video about the history of Albert Hoffman and LSD and MK Ultra, and they thought I was trying to sell LSD through my page. And I'm like, are you not even allowed to talk about Albert Hoffman and these things that actually happen to history. Was that, that was Instagram again. That was Instagram. Oh, wow. I always get YouTube comments of people selling drugs. Should I be deleting those? Do you see those? Like, I mean, you must I get them all. Yeah, I, I try to delete them. You see those, right? Somebody. Like, buy IELTS ayahuasca here, or buy DMT, or yeah, those are probably trouble. That's that's probably trying to get you taken down. I guess. I guess where comments in the video, like video comments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. though, yeah. I'm sure Mark's seen it. He gets way more comments than we do, but like 10% of our comments is someone trying to sell illicit drugs. Yeah. It's crazy. Or like sex. I get a lot of, uh, I get propositioned a lot <laughs> on Instagram. There seems to be me and Shauna just call them Insta hookers. <laughs> Yeah, Darren, I think that's just you. I had a weird thing happen on Instagram with those. We had a post, a Manly P. Hall post for some reason. And it was even like a few weeks after I posted it. And all of a sudden, all these people looked at it and started following me from that one post. And I started looking at all the profiles and they're all these fake Instahooker accounts. I'm like, yeah. why did that yeah. one post attract all them? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what, that's like the same thing I see once in a while. Not all the time, just uh, once in a while that shit pops up. So, but anyway, I mean, you know, I don't want to get... So how does... Go ahead, Graham. Well, I wanted to ask about your art, like how it's evolved. It seems like, I mean, it's it's getting, it seems to be getting better all the time too. I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine how you do it, but has it evolved quite a bit since you started or purposely? Sorry, I'm getting distracted by this uh, chats, comment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody asked, commented, "Do I draw your mustache in or something?" <laughs> you can draw my mustache um, anytime you want, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question again? It's just if your art is evolved, uh, your your um, you know, it seems like it's evolved over time. Has it been purposely? Is, or is are you just getting better all the time? Or yeah, it's it's kind of crazy for me to look back at some of the earlier videos. It, it actually makes me kind of cringe. Cause the, the art looks so bad because I'm always, I have this, um, goal or priority that I always want to make each be video better than the one before. So I always, otherwise it's kind of like, it's like, feels like work, but if I'm pushing myself every time to make a better and better video, it's really a joy to work on it. And it's a joy to edit it. The whole process is, is kind of fun and new. And, uh, yeah, it's like driving the same route to work every day. You kind of want to mix it up sometimes. But yeah, I've, I've tried to add more. Okay. Uh, I've gotten really into like dystopian art. I like to draw. It's it's weird how it's fun to draw like darker things. You know, it's not fun to paint heaven because you have to make everything like nice and clean shading and everything has to be smooth. But if you're drawing hell, that's where you can have fun. You know, you can you can get crazy with it. Are you doing uh, anything else? Like, are you doing t-shirts designs for people? Like you must get requests for art all the time. And I think all your art is 
uh, free or basically, I guess what we call it value for value. You can take it, you can use it, you can repurpose it and you have a Patreon, I think if people want to support, is that the, I have a Patreon. Um, I have this philosophy that kind of like you just, you let it go and it'll come back to you in some weird way, whether directly or indirectly, but, um, there's no trademarks. There's no copyrights on anything. People can use the art for literally anything. They can profit off of it if they want. I've been put to the test many times on that. There was a guy that literally had an after-school store where he was selling all my art on shirts and mugs and stuff. And he was making money off of that. And I was really put to the test. He's like, you said we could use your art for whatever. And I was like, that's true, but can you... The only request I have is, can you not call it the after-school store? And he, he agreed. So the store is still up. He's selling everything. The products are actually pretty good. And I, I don't really see that any harm in people. Just, you know, the art's meant to be shared. So you just don't want it called after-school, like your brand, right? Really? or Yeah, because it, I have a store that's called the after-school store. And yeah, people so, were getting really confused. They're like, yeah, yeah. hey, man, like, can you get this order to me on time? And I'm like, that's not even my store. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What, um, so what is like, uh, cause I don't think your stuff is monetized either. Is it? Or What's is, that? Your, is your, is your channel monetized? My YouTube channel oh, is, yeah. you know what? I just don't see the monetization because I'm a YouTube premium subscriber. Speaking of which, let's jump into, I got a Joe Rogan one queued up here. I'd like to jump into if you don't mind. Okay, let's do it. Talk. Uh, you ever done a hard day's work <laughs> in your life, there, son? Yes, I've done about 20 years. People will get mad at you if you don't work hard. Yeah, look at you. Have you uh, talked to Joe at all? I've never uh, talked to him. But he's retweeted. He's, he's shared some of your stuff. So. He's, shared, he's shared stuff of mine before. You've yeah. talked to, I got a Jordan Peterson one queued up for the last one. Um, I, and I believe, well, we'll get to that, but you've got to talk to Jordan a few times now, right? Yep. Yeah, that's cool. I've been trying to track him down for a while, but he got super big, super fast and he's fucking hard to get a hold of. Yeah. With your manicured fingers, you're not even struggling. You don't even hate, you don't even hate work and life. Right? Yeah. Folks, it ain't about that. It ain't about the guy who drives by in a clean car when you're dirty. It's not his fault. It's you should figure out how to be clean. You should figure out how to do a job that doesn't involve you walking in mud all day. And that's possible because somebody else has done it. And it doesn't mean I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society, the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Someone's always going to have to work at Burger King. Someone's always going to have to. I don't buy that. I think people are pretty fucking flexible. If you look at the broad spectrum of humans and human behavior from different cultures all over the world, it's pretty obvious to me that there's, there's a lot of different ways that people can act. We don't have to have fast food workers. We don't, we, we don't have to have people who work shit jobs. We don't have to. We just need to figure out how to restructure society so everybody somehow or another plays a part, has something to contribute, has something to share. I mean, that's what a real society is supposed to be like. I give you some coconuts. You give me some fish. You know, we make a deal, and you do it back and forth and left and right. And when there's nothing to contribute, then you start looking, the president needs to give us jobs. We need jobs. So instead of something to contribute, you just find something to do with your time. 
And then it becomes about doing that more than it becomes about finding something to contribute. So society gets wrapped around becoming a part of a machine. Society, instead of becoming a bunch of individuals that are expressing themselves in unique ways and everybody sort of borrows and shares and, and sells this and you sell that, and we all sort of figure out how we can contribute in a society, we got sidetracked and diverted into these boxes that they call companies and corporations and we got stuck into these containers they go cubicles or offices and we got forced into this system so our time instead of it being invested in making pottery or or fixing cars or doing something where you have a, a passion or you have some sort of a connection to instead of that you've sold your life to sit in a box and work for a machine, an uncaring machine that demands productivity. It doesn't understand you. It doesn't want to understand you. It has a bunch of very strict things in order to keep the humor at a minimum in the office, just in case one of you fuckheads says some stupid sex jokes to get some sued and they have to give somebody a million dollars. So get it together. And this is your life now no natural behavior. Everybody's wearing clothes they don't want to wear. Everybody's showing up and doing something they don't want to do. They have no connection to. That's the problem with our society. And then what's the reward for all this stuff? Go home, get a big TV. Go home, you're going to get a shiny belt buckle. You're going to get a nice purse. You're going to wear shoes that you couldn't afford last week. You're going to get that dream car. And every week we're chasing down this new object. And every week we're trying to fill this hole in this, 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 sad shadow of a life that we've been left with after work that you work eight to whatever the hours a day plus commuting and then you're like this and that's your life that's your real fucking life all that other stuff is not your life anymore all that other stuff is work and most of us have committed to that i know you've been there before and i've been there before and we we understand that it's a trap because we got out of it but for the people that are in it a lot of times they don't even understand it's a trap. They just think it's a good job. They think they got dental. I'm doing really good. I got my own parking spots, got my name on it. And you're just a piece of a heartless, shitty machine that makes money. Joe's bringing the wisdom. <laughs> hey, that's pretty, I mean, that's up there. Yeah, he's got, uh, he said some intelligent thing. He said some stupid shit too, but he's... Uh... He said some smart shit. He gets it, you know. He he would seem to get that that um, that same sort of thing that we kind of think around here that your mindset and your 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 mindset and your awareness, maybe your drive, just kind of and your drive and all that decides where you're at. You know, you can do whatever the fuck you want if you try hard enough. I mean, I don't know what you think about that, Mark. I mean, have you have you done much of the Napoleon Hill stuff or the manifestation or just like self-help sort of stuff? Or what's your outlook on that? All that uh, secret type stuff, visualize it. I, I was really into that stuff maybe 10 years ago when I first discovered it. I was maybe kind of more of an atheist at the time. And then I was like, you know, this isn't working for me. What? And the secret was kind of like this way back into spirituality. And then it's kind of shallow, you know, it's all about like getting the things you want and then you go deeper and you figure out mindfulness practices. And then, um, yeah, what's worked for me, it's just kind of like, I'm not an expert at any one thing, but I kind of sample a little bit of everything and that's, I enjoy doing that. And, you know, I don't restrict myself to, I don't have to read a book from page one to the end. 
Sometimes I'll pick it up right in the middle. So whatever works, you know, I don't judge anybody for what works for them. Yeah, I we totally get that. I mean, that's kind of what we do here too. We got, you know, our toes dipped in all kinds of th things, but you can't really go too deep. So, you know, every once in a while, I think, should we, should we go deep on this one thing? But, you know, if we're doing all these different things, it's hard. You got to kind of choose doing one or the other. Time, we're gonna... Well, my channel is really pivoted. I think that's been the big shift is I used to kind of find these audio clips that were spicy and could kind of stand on their own. And then I could enhance them with art. And now I've moved kind of away from that towards like um, much more into collaborations where I'll, I'll reach out to somebody and I'll say, okay, you've spent your life studying this one thing. Can we summarize that into a 20 minute presentation? And so that's kind of been the new direction because people, when they come to my channel now, I want them to find a, they click on a video. I want them to get an entire experience from the introduction of a topic all the way to like, you know, I want them to get a full presentation. So it's, it's, I have had to step my game up for sure. But you know, every two weeks we put out a video and that's like a full on documentary now. Have you had any favorite ones over the, over the years? Any ones that really stand out to you? Well, that mass psychosis one uh, yeah. was a big one. Oh and yeah. I, yeah. I worked with that, uh, Academy of Ideas, those guys, those guys are great. They're really smart. And we were talking about collaborating on something for over a year. And then we finally, you know, the timing was perfect on that video, the mass psychosis. It was the middle of the lockdown. The whole world was going crazy. And that video seemed to just make sense of so many things. But it was perfect because it didn't mention a single word about what was going on today. It was all philosophy. It was all talking about things that happened hundreds of years ago, but anybody with eyes could see that we're talking about what we're talking about, you know, and they got picked up by Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson thing went viral. So that was, that was probably my biggest video I've had in, in a while. Yeah. I remember that getting shared all over the place. That was great. Alex Jones did an entire show, a three hour show about that video. Really? And he was like, I hope I don't get this person in trouble. I hope I don't this get after, after school, school in trouble. Presentation. <laughs> Sorry, I got that one queued up. That's uh, maybe I'll switch instead of Peterson. We'll do the mass psychosis one. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty long. I remember. So we can take a look at a few minutes of it. Or... Yeah, take a few minutes of it. Did yeah. you get in trouble? Like, how did that? So did you? Didn't get in trouble from it, did you? Or didn't get in trouble from it? No, you no know, strikes on YouTube or anything like the that. The way to get around it is you just don't say any of the words you don't say those trigger words you know oh that's what we got to learn better <laughs> but it's hard to self-censor i don't i don't like that i don't like it either i don't really do it i guess that's how i get myself <laughs> was written and narrated by academy of ideas check out their youtube channel for more of their videos Oh, it's got that music from that show, too. Mm -hmm. The masses have never thirsted after truth. They turn aside from evidence that is not to their taste, preferring to deify error if error seduce them. Whoever can supply them with illusions is easily their master. Whoever attempts to destroy their illusions is always their victim. According to the psychologist Carl Jung, the greatest threat to civilization lies not with the forces of nature, 
nor with any physical disease, but with our inability to deal with the forces of our own psyche. We are our own worst enemies, or as the Latin proverb puts it, man is a wolf to man. In Civilization in Transition, Jung states that this proverb is a sad yet eternal truism, and our wolf-like tendencies come most prominently into play at those times of history when mental illness becomes the norm rather than the exception in a society, a situation which Jung termed a psychic epidemic. Indeed, it is becoming ever more obvious, he writes, that it is not famine, not earthquakes, not microbes, not cancer, but man himself, who is man's greatest danger to man, for the simple reason that there is no adequate protection against psychic epidemics, which are infinitely more devastating than the worst of natural catastrophes. Wow. In this video, we are going to explore the most dangerous of all psychic epidemics, the mass psychosis. A mass psychosis is an epidemic of madness, and it occurs when a large portion of a society loses touch with reality and descends into delusions. Such a phenomenon is not a thing of fiction. Two examples of mass psychoses are the American and European witch hunts of the 16th and 17th centuries, and the rise of totalitarianism in the 20th century. During the witch hunts, thousands of individuals, mostly women, were killed, not for any crimes they committed, but because they became the scapegoats of societies gone mad. In some Swiss villages, writes Francis Hill, there were scarcely any women left alive after the frenzy had finally burned itself out. When a mass psychosis occurs, the results are devastating. Jung studied this phenomenon and wrote that the individuals who make up the infected society become morally and spiritually inferior. They sink unconsciously to an inferior intellectual level. They become more unreasonable, irresponsible, emotional, erratic, and unreliable. And worst of all, crimes the individual alone could never stand are freely committed by the group smitten by madness. What makes matters worse is that those suffering from a mass psychosis are unaware of what is occurring. For just as an individual gone mad cannot step out of his mind to observe the errors in his ways, so too there is no Archimedean point from which those living through a mass psychosis can observe their collective madness. But what causes a mass psychosis? To answer this question, we must first explore what drives an individual mad. While there are many potential triggers of madness, such as an excessive use of drugs or alcohol, brain injuries, and other illnesses, these physical causes will not concern us here. Our concern is with psychological, or what are called psychogenic triggers, as these are the most common culprits of the mass psychosis. The most prevalent psychogenic cause of a psychosis is a flood of negative emotions, such as fear or anxiety, that drives an individual into a state of panic. When in a state of panic, an individual will naturally seek relief, as it is too mentally and physically draining to subsist in this hyper-emotional state. So obviously this must have came out like uh, right during the height of the coup. Yep, it came out um, early, mid-2021, mid, mid like summer 2021. That must be, uh, so was that before we met you? When did we meet you? That was probably right before the Scablands trip. Yeah, when I released that one. Yeah, September 2021 was when you met, we met you. So I think that came out in like August of 2021. That's not, uh, 
Yeah, man, this was time. And so did you say you wrote the script for that one or they had already had it out or that's part of a book? Or... Uh, no, um, Academy of Ideas had done a bunch of videos on mass psychosis. And then we kind of condensed those, all their scripts into one master script. And that's what we, that's what I animated. Fantastic. Yeah, Academy of Ideas is awesome. Yeah. I want to read a couple of chats here. I'm not, I'm, I'm usually, I can't pay attention to them because since we've had these clips playing, I can kind of check a couple out. Polymathing said, just cause this is really good feedback for you too, Marcus. Crazy. I had no idea that one guy was doing all the after school stuff all these years. A million thanks for all the wisdom I picked up from it. And then, oh, thank you. Yeah. And then he goes on saying, or she, or whoever it is in a decaying society, art, if it is truthful, must also reflect decay. And unless it wants to break faith with its social function, art must show the world as changeable and help to change it. That's deep. Yeah. Wow. So thanks for, thanks for commenting and watching. Thank you. Yeah, that was deep. Yeah. And coming through. And that's, that's weird. Cause you were saying that, you know, you, you like this dystopian art, but I mean, maybe you feel like a need to, to show that side of society. Yeah. I try to, I try to mix it up. Like, each week I'll, I'll put one, one will be like a, addressing a specific problem. And the next week will kind of be more of like a lighthearted like solution to like spiritual issues or, and then the next one might be kind of meant to be funny, but I don't want to put out too many dystopian videos in a row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were we going to say? Darren? What did you think of Egypt? Oh man. Egypt was awesome. That's definitely going to change my art for sure. Like seeing all those, uh, I mean, there's so much art there. It's insane, but yeah, I, it was overwhelming how awesome that trip was. Do you have anything that stands out that you really liked about it or that, or that sort of changed your perception of, of Egypt? Man, there's, there's so many things. I, I recommend everybody go there. Um, better go fast. Yeah, the art. It looks like they're going to be, uh, part of our new access to evil soon it's if the you know if they're drawing up lines which it sure seems like they're doing they penciled in egypt onto the other side i seen what's this well egypt <laughs> is part of the bricks now which is the like china thing that's uh they're all getting together to challenge a dollar i mean it was been a conspiracy well i guess it wasn't a conspiracy people have been talking about it for years but now oh how we're going off the dollar yeah now a bunch of people are actually going off the dollar including egypt and brazil maybe france what are they going to Ooh, china thing one the one do you want you don't want to know <laughs> well i mean i was just thinking about this there's i'm, I'm no financial person for sure but what America has done lately is we've weaponized the dollar. You know, we've, we've seized assets when people are doing things that we don't like sanction. Some state department will sanction them, take their money, seize it, freeze it. And, you know, they've weaponized the dollar, which they've, you know, they're really proud that they've been doing that. And they've bragged about it quite a bit, but what you're doing is you're, you're, destroying people's faith in the dollar. So they're going to go somewhere else. You know, why would you store your money? If you're, if you're in Thailand, why would you store your money in American currency, the dollar when they can just seize it? You know, 
there's no benefit there. You know, you're going to be really paranoid. So I think this is like a second order effect from a lot of that weaponizing of the dollar. A lot of second order effects coming down. What do you have coming up, Mark? What do you have? Uh, what's your next few videos? Is there, is there any, I can show you guys. I kind of want to show you guys my video. That's not out yet. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. So, um, World premiere. So how do I send it to you guys? Email? Uh, or? You, well, I mean, you might be able to just click on share screen down on the bottom or present. It says present. Um, I can email it to one of you If you guys. email Come it on. to me, that will work as well. Do you have my email? Um, log in. I don't have your email. Just trying I'll, to... I'll, I'll put it in the private chat here. Not in the group chat. I don't grandmacromerica.com. He gets the emails from classes. <laughs> I do not. I mean, people figure it out sometimes. Okay. So there's an email. Oh, I, I got you. Okay. See the email. Okay. Well, there's still time to come to Utah, buddy. You should come out. <laughs> I know. I need to get on another trip with you guys. It's been a blast. We have another one uh, in two weeks. The Dave Matheson one, Utah. It's uh, like a private room situation too, not like the last one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I had fun with that one. That one was good. We just did the we did that one again down in Shasta. It was a uh, it was fun up there. <laughs> it was a little cold. We did it in February. We switched it to May next year. But um, yeah, if you can make it out to Utah, let me know. It's are you guys going to that big cosmic summit in the summer? I don't think so. D Darren was I'm thinking about going. Hey, I'm Darren? still thinking about it. It's like, um, I'd not go in any like official capacity, but we might just run out depending on what plane tickets are. The problem is it's like, and you know, this down in San Diego is like getting to the East. It's practically on the East coast. Like, I mean, it's Asheville's two or three hours off the East coast. So getting to the East coast is a bitch, man. It's like a couple of planes and it's like an all day affair. You're in Alberta, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got to come up there and you, I need you to show me how to hunt at some point. There you go. <laughs> you uh, are welcome anytime, buddy. You come on down and we will head out. That sounds awesome. I'm, uh, you can do a video on it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out <laughs> practicing shooting all the time right now. It's that time of year. Well, when the apocalypse happens, I want to be at your house. <laughs> I will be well ready for that. You can, but the problem is it's going to be hard to get up here once the apocalypse happens. Okay. So this one's like kind of, before we started, this is like my classic style. This is. Uh, George Carlin is one of my favorite comics. I've, this is my, one of my favorite bits from him, probably my favorite bit that he's ever done. And I've wanted to animate this for so long. And, um, yeah, I think this is a, it's very relevant to what's going on today. So. All right. I'm a huge Carlin fan too.
I don't like words that hide the truth. I don't like words that conceal reality. I don't like euphemisms or euphemistic language. And American English is loaded with euphemisms because Americans have a lot of trouble dealing with reality. Americans have trouble facing the truth. So they invent a kind of a soft language to protect themselves from it. And it gets worse with every generation. For some reason, it just keeps getting worse. I'll give you an example of that. There's a condition in combat most people know about it. It's when a fighting person's nervous system has been stressed to its absolute peak and maximum, can't take any more input. The nervous system has either snapped or is about to snap. In the First World War, that condition was called shell shock. Simple, honest, direct language. Two syllables, shell shock. Almost sounds like the guns themselves. That was 70 years ago. Then a whole generation went by, and the Second World War came along, and we, the very same combat condition was called battle fatigue. Four syllables now. <laughs> Takes a little longer to say. Doesn't seem to hurt as much. Fatigue is a nicer word than shock. Shell shock. Battle fatigue. <laughs> then we had the war in Korea, 1950. Madison Avenue was riding high by that time, and the very same combat condition was called operational exhaustion. Hey, we're up to eight syllables now. And the humanity has been squeezed completely out of the phrase. It's totally sterile now. Operational exhaustion. Sounds like something that might happen to your car. <laughs> then, of course, came the war in Vietnam, which has only been over for about 16 or 17 years. And thanks to the lies and deceit surrounding that war, I guess it's no surprise that the very same condition was called post-traumatic stress disorder. Still eight syllables, but we've added a hyphen. And the pain is completely buried under jargon. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll bet you if we'd have still been calling it shell shock, some of those Vietnam veterans might have gotten the attention they needed at the time. I'll bet you that. I'll bet you that. But, but it didn't happen. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons is because we were using that soft language, that language that takes the life out of life. And it is a function of time. It does keep getting worse. I'll give you another example. Sometime during my life, sometime during my life, toilet paper became bathroom tissue. I wasn't notified of this. No one asked me if I agreed with it. It just happened. Toilet paper became bathroom tissue. Sneakers became running shoes. False teeth became dental appliances. Medicine became medication. Information became directory assistance. The dump became the landfill. Car crashes became automobile accidents. Partly cloudy became partly sunny. Motels became motor lodges. House trailers became mobile homes. Used cars became previously owned transportation. <laughs> room service became guest room dining. And constipation became occasional irregularity. <laughs> when I was a little kid, if I got sick, they wanted me to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Now they want me to go to a health maintenance organization or a wellness center to consult a healthcare delivery professional. 
Poor people used to live in slums. Now the economically disadvantaged occupy substandard housing in the inner cities. <laughs> and they're broke. They're broke. They don't have a negative cash flow position. They're fucking broke. Because a lot of them were fired. You know, fired, management wanted to curtail redundancies in the human resources area. So many people are no longer viable members of the workforce. Smug, greedy, well-fed people have invented a language to conceal their sins. It's as simple as that. The CIA doesn't kill anybody anymore. They neutralize people. Or they depopulate the area. The government doesn't lie and engages in disinformation. The Pentagon actually measures nuclear radiation in something they call sunshine units. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? They never mention that part of it to us, do they? Never mention that part of it. And And some of this stuff is just silly. We know, we all know that. Like on the airlines, they say they want to pre-board. Well, what the hell is pre-board? What does that mean? To get on before you get on? <laughs> they say they're going to pre-board those passengers in need of special assistance. Cripples! <laughs> Simple, honest, direct language. There's no shame attached to the word cripple that I can find in any dictionary. No shame attached to it. In fact, it's a word used in Bible translations. Jesus healed the cripples. Doesn't take seven words to describe that condition. But we don't have any cripples in this country anymore. We have the physically challenged. Is that a grotesque enough evasion for you? How about differently abled? I've heard them call that differently abled. You can't even call these people handicapped anymore. They'll say, we're not handicapped, we're handicapable. <laughs> these poor people have been bullshitted by the system into believing that if you change the name of the condition, somehow you'll change the condition. Well, hey, cousin, <laughs> doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And that was we from 1990? No people in this country, hearing wow. impaired. No one's blind anymore, partially sighted or visually impaired. We have no more stupid people. Everybody has a learning disorder. <laughs> or he's minimally exceptional. How would you like to be told that about your child? He's minimally exceptional. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Psychologists actually have started calling ugly people those with severe appearance deficits. <laughs> It's getting so bad that any day now I expect to hear a rape victim referred to as an unwilling sperm recipient. <laughs> and we have no more old people in this country. No more old people. We shipped them all away and we brought in these senior citizens. <laughs> Isn't that a typically American 20th century phrase? Bloodless lifeless no pulse in one of them a senior citizen but i've accepted that when i've come to terms with it i know it's here to stay we'll never get rid of it that's what they're going to be called so i'll relax on that but the one i do resist the one i keep resisting is when they look at an old guy and they'll say look at him dan he's 90 years young 
Imagine the fear of aging that reveals to not even be able to use the word old to describe someone, to have to use an antonym. And fear of aging is natural, it's universal, isn't it? We all have that. No one wants to get old, no one wants to die, but we do. So we bullshit ourselves. <laughs> I started bullshitting myself when I got to my 40s. As Soon as I was in my 40s, I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, well, I, I guess I'm getting older. Uh, older sounds a little better than old, doesn't it? Sounds like it might even last a little longer. <laughs> Bullshit, I'm getting old. And it's okay, because thanks to our fear of death in this country, I won't have to die. I'll pass away. <laughs> Or I'll expire like a magazine subscription. <laughs> if it happens in the hospital, they'll call it a terminal episode. The insurance company will refer to it as negative patient care outcome. And if it's the result of malpractice, they'll say it was a therapeutic misadventure. I'm telling you, some of this language makes me want to vomit. Well, maybe not vomit. Makes me want to engage in an involuntary personal protein spill. <laughs> Thank you all. Okay. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, I'm really stoked on that one. That's uh, coming out on Tuesday. Nice. Ooh, that's going to be a big one, I bet. Everyone loves Harlan. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan. That was great. Well done, buddy. And that doesn't seem like it's a well-known Carlin one for some reason. I, haven't, I don't think I've heard of it much. It's a bit older. Like he, he has stuff that's probably more popular that, that he did right before he died um, in the early 2000s. But um, I think this is a pretty one of his more popular bits. But I think it's so relevant to what we're, what's going on today because we have all these problems that keep getting worse. But instead of actually addressing the problem, we we use soft language to cover it up. And I see this happening constantly. Yeah, and it's um you can't even. Just to even talk about the problem, you're like a bigot, you know? Yeah. Oh, I get called a bigot and a lot. And, and they're changing the, like, the definitions as well. Not only changing the words, but now they're changing the meanings of stuff as well. Not that, not that that's a new thing. I mean, I guess that's been talked about for hundreds of years or whatever, but it's, it seems very relevant these days or prevalent. Yeah. I mean, I have a funny example of this. I worked uh, for a university for many years and we had a problem uh, with homeless people coming into the library and the homeless people kind of took over the library and all the students didn't want to study there anymore. And I ended up, I was working at the library and I brought it up to um, some of the head people there. I said, Oh, you know, are we going to kind of figure out how to get this homeless problem under control? And they said, no, 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 we don't, don't call them homeless. That's, that's an offensive word. I said, well, you know, basically, I was just told to not say that word. And I was like, well, that doesn't solve, you know, the, the students are not using the library anymore. <laughs> That's not solving the problem. So did they say what you're supposed to call them? Pe persons experiencing homelessness? or It was like some long paragraph. I mean, actually, we were given this guide at the university of words that are problematic. And then the term that you, you're supposed to say, and some of these things that you're supposed to say are like a paragraph long. It's like, you know, like, it's kind of funny because the, the problematic side is very, it's all just one word. And then the thing that you're supposed to say on the other side is just like a column of text. 
Oh, that's too funny. What was that's my mom. Thanks, mom. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> Graham's mom has got it uh going on. Um what uh what's been the biggest thing you learned along the way? Biggest thing I've learned along the way. I think uh probably the most important lesson I've learned on this journey is like when I started this channel, I kind of wanted the world to change and maybe that might benefit me in some way. You know, I thought maybe I was owed something. And I've learned along the way that you can't change the world at all. The only thing you can you can change is yourself. That's the only thing you have control over. And uh that got rid of a lot of my bitterness and resentment. And just, you know, I, I changed from being driven by resentment in many ways to being driven by gratitude. I like it. That's awesome. You guys, you guys have been doing this for like a decade, right? Yeah. We're just yeah. coming up on our 10 year anniversary in like uh, six weeks or something. What's the biggest lesson you, you guys have taken away? Uh, just keep swimming. I think for me, it's, it's just been, uh, like, I, I feel like I know less than the more I know, the less I know in a way, the more I learn, the less I know, like it's, I try not to hold on to, I try to sort of let, let things settle down before I attach myself to any kind of views or opinions, probably just to create some space there. Before there's, get... there's gotta be things where you kind of plant a flag in the ground and you say that I'm, I'm taking a stand on this though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Some things yeah. like that. Yeah. I like to take a stand yeah. on a lot of things. I mean, I, I see the wall behind Sometimes you. Covered again. That, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'd say probably the biggest thing I've learned along the way, other than, you know, maybe a bunch of stuff about myself and met some cool people is that it's easier to tug on those strings of reality than you think, you know, whether it's an illusion or not, maybe illusion is not the right word. Maybe. I was just thinking that magic is realer. Yeah. But even if magic, magic is real, than you even think. if magic, you know, maybe it's not magic that, you know, cause I don't have any hard evidence that it has to be magic. It seems to be, have a magical nature to it, but I don't know for sure that it's magic. It could just be, you know, that, that, that self-fulfilling sort of feeling of magic helps your mindset and your, and everything else sort of fall into place so that you can make those things happen. But either way, I can say that reality, the world, whatever you want to call it, is easier to sort of pull on the strings than you, than you think. It's not as big as you think. I mean, I'm reminded every, every day or at least every week about how small it is because someone knows someone or met someone or this person knows that, you know, it's like, it's crazy how small the world is and it, and it keeps sort of getting smaller. So I don't know if it's a simulation or not, but I know that if you don't waste your time watching TV and hockey or playing video games and you spend it trying to maybe chase down that life you actually want, whatever that is, you probably get closer than you think. And you might even surprise yourself and end up way past that. Hundred percent. Yeah, you reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from Terrence McKenna. If you don't have a plan, you become a part of somebody else's plan. 
hundred percent, man. Yeah. I got a bunch of people, you know, working for me in my day job that are part of somebody's plan, you know? And it's like, that's what it all is, is if, you know, and yeah, I, I'm still an employee. I think you're still an employee, but that doesn't mean you, you know, I think you and I both work full time. And so there's, what's your excuse, motherfucker? You know, I guess that's, that's what I got. What, uh, I'll, I'll sort of, well, we'll start to wrap this up. What's, uh, what's, I guess what's, what do you, what do you got to say to everyone? So if there's anything we didn't get to yet, or if you have any final words for this, I mean, audience, you seem to be continually amassing. You're up to the last time I checked was, I think 2.7 million. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, hopefully hit 3 million this year. That'd be cool. Uh, the growth is very inconsistent. You know, that mass psychosis video that blew me up. Like that got me 500,000 subscribers in a very short period of time. And then it plateaus for a while, but yeah, message for the audience. I don't know. Uh, I guess I don't really have one, but I, I, I liked uh, Graham's message. Just the more you learn, the, the less you know. <laughs> how, how are you going to incorporate your podcast into your, your empire here? Like, is it going to be, is it going to be on a different channel completely? Like, is it going to be more like just video, like what we're doing right now? Or um, is it going to be like embedded in, in what you're doing? Well, after school is kind of like where really well curated things will go. Like right. very planned out specific, presentations. Yeah, yeah. And then the second channel before school, the podcast and some shorts and some things. That's just kind of like spontaneous content. The priority is definitely after school, but it's weird. I get the opportunity to talk to so many cool people that I'm I'm like a lot of the people I don't think would make a good after school episode, but you know, like I hop on my phone and I just talking to like UFC fighters and scientists and psychologists. And I'm like, yeah, let's have a conversation. So, um, next week I'm going to have a UFC fighter, Jake Shields. I'm going to interview him. Then we got Rupert Sheldrake, who's a big, really smart dude. Then I'll probably awesome. Brian Marescu. And then, um, I talked to a lot of UFC fighters. I don't know. I just really like their, their mindset. And then eventually I'll work my way up to Randall. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be great. I, I see you've already, I didn't realize you've already got quite a channel there from before school. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, That's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I think that's a good idea to yeah, have some more of those long form conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to go on some more of your retreats too. Those things are awesome. Well, oh, like yeah, I could yeah, say, yeah. if you want to come in Utah in a couple of weeks, if you can get away, you let me know and I'll make it happen. And then we've got the Scablands again in May. And then we're not doing anything till September. Then we have the Canadian. I mean, you know, what might be a good idea is if you come up for the Canada event, because I think the way it's November 9th to 12th, which is in hunting season. And Brandon Powell and I are playing because he's the guy who's going to do this. The, we're going to do the cold stuff. We got to go to the hot springs beside the river out in British Columbia, not too far away. But the plan is right now he's going to come out four days or so prior and we're going to go shoot some shit. So, I mean, maybe you come up again and come hunting, but you know, you're welcome at all the events we do for sure. 
I doubt I could hang with you guys, but that sounds really fun. My uh, my girlfriend is from that area, Edmonton, not too far away. Yeah, that's right. Have you been up here again? Have you come visit? I was there in January. Well, next time, yeah, next time you're up here, look us up. And at the very least, we can go shoot some guns or something. We can go have some fun. Sounds sweet. I mean, Alberta's a little better than California. It's still in Canada, so it's kind of fucked. But it's not California fact. We're not giving all the black people money for just. We're going to have to have an entire podcast dedicated to just talking about California and how it's falling California, apart. Hey, any plans to leave? Um, San Diego is not that bad. I'm in San Diego. San Diego is probably the best place in California. It's, it's kind of like a um, more conservative city in an extremely blue state. I mean, the places that are really screwed up are L.A. and San Francisco. Those places are just like hellscapes. It's going to spread, though. I mean, it is we, have, we have sure. our, other, our other buddy who just, uh, you know, Greg Carwood. He was saying he wasn't going to leave either. And then he's just like, fuck it, I'm out of here. So I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet, but I don't think it matters. <laughs> he was talking about it on our trip in front of a bunch of other people. So uh, I'm sure it's fine. But there's the before school YouTube. People sign up for that. Uh, and I hope to, I mean, if you have any questions about podcasting, you just let me know. I'm at your disposal. Other than that. Yeah. So what, what is this program that do you guys use Zoom ever? Is Zoom like shitty? We were using Zoom. We were using Zoom. Um. I don't know. With StreamYard, so the big thing with StreamYard is it makes doing this, going to YouTube and everything a little bit easier. And it does the local audio recordings, which is helpful. So it'll like, if we do run into some internet problems, which we have in here, but you, uh, uh, you know, when that starts happening, right. it'll happen during the live stream. But at the end, everyone will have their own local file and it'll sort of sync them up. So that when I put them into my audio interface later, they're all perfect. You know, they've still got some issues with the voiceover. It's not perfect yet, but it seems like it's getting better. Um, so that's the main thing is that localized recording is handy if you have someone. I mean, we had someone in an episode where it fucked up like every fucking three seconds. And I had to go through and cut that out everywhere. And if we would have had this sort of thing going, um, it would have worked better and it just sort of adds in a little bit of redundancy for backup recordings because you have this recording online then Grant can be recording it, I can be recording it. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with it so far, but I mean, we were, we were using zoom up until three weeks ago. A month yeah. ago. Yeah. Three weeks or a month. So. You guys have been doing this for a decade. Just about a decade. Yeah. yeah. Zoom actually works pretty well. Like I've, okay. I've been fairly impressed with it. The problem is that I yeah. did notice a difference in the audio quality from this to Zoom for sure. Zoom is, is uh, they're sacrificing audio for, I mean, they've got, part of it is they're just being used for so much different stuff that the amount of bandwidth they must be chewing up at any given time, whereas this program is sort of dedicated to what we're doing. And they've been pretty accessible. Grant's been able to talk to people whenever we need to talk to someone and, I mean, we're just constantly trying to figure out a way to evolve in this ecosystem. 
Yeah, when I've done uh, recordings, Zoom recordings with Randall, uh, I make him open Audacity and record on his computer and then send me that file. That's always fun. Yeah, uh, exactly. So this this will probably replace that need, right, Darren, I guess? Yep, yep, it would. It would record a local audio. I mean, you have a couple settings to to change to do it. But like I say, if you want to have a private one-on-one, uh, let me know and we'll... We can go through it and share screen and do all that sort of stuff. Mark, where can everybody find all your stuff, all your social media, everything? Everything is after school, but you're probably not going to be able to find it on Instagram because it just doesn't come up in the search. But at After School 100 on Facebook and Instagram, and then just After School on YouTube. And then the second channel is Before School. We're um, starting the podcast. So thanks for having me on, guys. Like It's been really fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you spending some time with us here. This is great. This is fun. It was like casual, just kind of shooting the shit and then watch some videos. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect yeah. kickoff for maybe us doing more live shows. So thanks. That's how we got some super chats. So if you guys give us some more super chats, that's what makes us want to do more live <laughs> stuff is if you tip us the Moroccan <laughs> super chats. I don't know what you do on Rumble. I mean, I'll tell you this, though. We had more people watching on Rumble than we did on YouTube and Facebook combined. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm starting to Rumble make some rumblings. Ah, see what I did there? I think I have, uh, I haven't checked Rumble, but I, I think I have almost 100,000 followers on there. Oh, do you? Yeah, you're doing pretty good. I, I checked it out today. Yeah. Like 60, 70,000. 70,000. Yeah, yeah. That's great, Sweet. man. Yeah. There you have it. Of course. Yeah, like I never even look, I never look at it, but it's growing. That's yeah. school yeah. with a K, of course, for everybody's yes, doing sir. that. But yeah, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. Come back anytime. And uh, I hope to see you on a trip real soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Okay. And that was a chat with Mark from After School. What'd you think, buddy? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Are we still live? Yeah, I guess we're still live. eh? Yeah, I love his his work. It's just so deep. I mean, honestly, a lot of them are so deep. Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic collection of just deep philosophical wisdom. And how about that? We got a world premiere for an after school video. You know, millions and millions yeah. and millions of people are going to watch that. You guys that tuned into the live show, you got to see that first. So that's what you get. America.tv. Big thanks to Mark for coming on the show. Big thanks to Mark for all his art. The, I mean, the value for value. That's what we do around here. We just give you all our podcasts. I think this is number 595, almost a decade's worth of work for free, for free. But we ask that if you do get a little value from our little show here, you head over to America.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly, make a one-time donation. It's full-time job. I'd like it to be my full-time job one day. We can do that with people like you. You go support America.ca slash support. You sign up for a monthly, you make a one-time donation. We get the money. We get a little value back for our work or time or effort. We head over to AmericaOutlaw.ca where we uh, can't stream on YouTube because we talk about shit that's a little bit much for this channel all the stuff that we're kind of saying the buzzwords you can't say we go over there and we say those over there on but we might stream that on rumble and rockfin and well and they're going to be then those those are all on rumble and rockfin that's right so full episode oh, not, like the full free that's episode right. yeah. free so that's yeah grimericoutlaw.ca the trips mark was talking about contact at the cabin.com they're great you never know who you're going to run into you run into famous people at a trip bang there's Randall Carlson mark mark from after school all these people just popping up. We had Jimmy Corsetti almost showed up at the last one. Ben from Uncharted X. All of it. 
Uh, adultbrain.ca for all the audiobooks. I think we got 88 of them out now for sale. I just published Adorfa today. Edadorfa? Edadorfa? Edadorpa? Edadorpa. The YouTube channels, Grand America Media, and the Adult Brain Publishing YouTube channel. Other than that, I think that's all we got. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.